Hello, ladies. Welcome. Glad to Hello. have you here We have another guest this week, which is really exciting. We have Felicia Hashiverov with us tonight. Felicia, would you mind introducing yourself and kind of telling us a little bit about what it is you do and kind of how we connected? Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, so I am the founder of Tend Task, and um, my focus is really on helping couples to establish balanced relationships and relationships that support each partner's energy, time, equally. Um, and I do that through uh, a kind of a two-pronged approach. So um, my co-founder and I built an app um, called 10 Task Household Organizer, and that is a tool that helps couples to communicate clearly about what needs to be done, um, make sure that everybody has all the information that they need so that one partner isn't responsible for always filling in the other partner on the details. Um, and then, you know, we really found that um, technology is great. It's a wonderful tool, but it's it's probably not at the point where it can really elicit real change in the kind of equitable division of labor. So we um, incorporated a coaching program um, that helps couples to navigate this more successfully. We look at relationships holistically um, and, and really work on helping couples find strategies that are successful for them. That is very cool. So, and obviously very applicable to this podcast in particular. That's right. That's where right. We are looking to understand the mental load a little bit better and how we have these conversations. I think that's probably one of the hardest, most frequently asked question, at least when I tell people yeah. about the podcast. I don't know about yeah. you, Angie, but yeah. No, <laughs> it's looking. always, uh, well, like, where do I start? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> pick because there's yeah. several places to start. So yeah, before it's, we a big, dive it's in, a big undertaking, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely. So before we dive in, let's do our peaches and pits. Angie, you want to go first? Yeah. So my pits was yesterday, Fiona, my medically complicated child. I thought I was just taking her to a well check and she asked if she was getting her blood drawn or a shot because she very frequently does being medically complex. And since we were just going in for a well check, I was like, honey, I cannot think of any reason why they would need to draw blood or give you a shot. And then when we got there, there were pending Mayo labs from her rheumatologist up in Minnesota and so then she did have to get her blood drawn, which let me tell you, this is, it's a very like trauma response for her because unfortunately she's dealt with this her whole life. Um, and so that really sucked. Like yeah. me anticipating a very easy visit, me setting her up to anticipate a very easy visit. And then it wasn't. So it, she's a super hard stick. It took several minutes to get only half of the tubes needed. And so it is what it is, but it, it definitely sucked to not be prepared. But then my peaches is all her blood work came back mostly normal. So that doesn't happen super often either. (laughs) So all the things that they were concerned about um, and were checking on are either, Fiona normal 
or regular people normal, which is lovely and wonderful. Yes. I'll take either of those. And she yeah. seemed like she was in like a good spot. Like she was super happy when I saw her last night by the time we got done with dance. So yeah. At least, yeah. at least she like had a good evening too. Yes, she stuck it out because she had a, her best friend over. Mm. <laughs> and they took them to I ice did cream. think I spied her in the back, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. What about you, Caitlin? Um, so I'm going to say my pit today. I don't know that I've got like a, a real like strong pit. Uh, Willa poked me in the eye doing my hair. <laughs> I think that's the worst I can come up with, but honestly, that feels like a great day. So right. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that. I feel like um, my peach is that I have just been like I feel very productive at work, and I feel like I've just been like crushing conference prep, and like that's like drinking from a fire hose. So I'm I feel like that's you know if that's my peach, then I feel like right. anything else in my day. <laughs> conference prep is going well then like the rest of my day is like pretty smooth sailing from from there so and that's wonderful yeah felicia, and what about you felicia um so my pit is um my grandmother's funeral is coming up this weekend and i it's it's been a little over a month since she passed and i thought i kind of had a cap on my like emotional response. I'm really trying to like prepare for this, but I, um, before this recording, I took, uh, my 16 year old to go find her something like appropriate to wear. Mm. And that was, it was fine. Like it, we found something and and it was an easy outing, but it just, it, it just felt icky. It just felt yeah. sad. So that was, that was tough. Um, and, um, and I also don't like it when I like have an unexpected wave of emotions. <laughs> like, sure. I like to try to kind of be on top of these things, but, um, that is not realistic. Um, in terms of peaches, I ended up like seeing two friends today that, uh, unexpectedly, um, I had a client cancel. And so one of my friends like texted right at that moment and said, Hey, do you want to go for a walk? And it was just beautiful outside. And we had a great conversation and then, ended up being able to grab a cup of tea with another friend. And so that, that really filled my tank today. That was, that was mm. good stuff. I feel like sometimes the universe just knows when we need that yeah. little like run in with. For sure. With someone. For sure. All right. It's so true. Um, I've got a, I've got a spitfire. And that's what I was going to say. Like Caitlin, you got a story lined up for us. <laughs> Um, it kind of piggybacks off of last week when, when Nora really like got into or like laid the law down about how to pronounce Caroline's name at dance class. But it's the, it was actually a moment when I can't remember which, I think one of the girls was having a birthday party or maybe it's just that they all had friends over and they were over at your house and, um, they were Caroline and Nora were coloring over by the desk mm -hmm. and it was like one of the first time I think it was Fiona's friend um it was like the first time she met her and she was like oh, okay was like who's this girl and Nora like whips around and she goes I'm Nora and I am Caroline's bestie <laughs> yes <laughs> and it was just like this very like 
I don't know if you're asking because you plan to come take her from me, but just so you know, <laughs> this is a very established relationship and yeah. you should maybe like back the fuck up. This is much territory. <laughs> it was a little hot for what it needed to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. They both too come cute. in too hot so often. Yes. Caroline did a good job of trying to cheer Nora up before dance class yesterday. I was very proud of oh, her for that. Oh, that's good. Yes. That's how we ended up with your poppets. Oh, okay. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, one less poppet in my house is fine by me. <laughs> Felicia, do you have a funny kid story you want to share? Yeah. I mean, my kids are older, so it's a little bit different these days, but I will say I'm, I'm teaching my youngest to drive right now and do not recommend. (laughs) She's great. She's like a really good driver, but wow. Talk about like being on edge. And, um, typically we, um, we get along great. Like we have a great relationship where we really talk about everything and, um, she's just a super loving, um, kid, but she is, she is growing impatient with me and my, car shenanigans. Um, I have, I have this like, um, you know, invisible break that I apply frequently with my, you know, breaking leg. And she's like, Oh my God, mom, everything's fine. Like (laughs) you don't need your fake break, but I still keep on using it. Keep on keeping on. I'm like, honey, this is, this is a, um, this is a reaction I cannot control. Right. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, my husband gets mad at me because I do that when he drives. So there's yeah, no right. That's what I told her children. Do. I don't just do it to you. Yeah. <laughs> no. I used to every time I would get in the car. I mean, still to this day, every time I leave, my mom she'll say like, "I love you. Be safe." And like, she used to be like extra emphasis on like the be safe when I was first learning to drive, and I was like, "Oh my god, I get it." <laughs> and now that like I think about my kids learning how to drive I'm like oh my god now I get it and I'm like is it too far to like sit them down before they drive every time and remind them that they are like valuable precious life that <laughs> and they are driving other valuable precious life potentially right. and or around other precious life and that they should just really like be very mindful be very safe <laughs> be very safe <laughs> Oh, oh, it's so stressful. I, yeah, I'm not prepared for that. Thank God we still we still have a few more years. We're not yeah, not quite there yet. Six more, as Hudson likes to remind me. Oh my gosh, I know that is so funny. Too much. All right, partner. All right, Eric's been gone, but partner praise. Let's hear it, Angie. Okay. Well. You know, I. <laughs> it's not that he's, I'm so, it's, I'm sitting here going, well, shit. I was not very prepared for this one. Yeah, I mean, like this week has been very mechanical. Yeah. Because this like season, for whatever reason, is so busy. Um, so I guess my praise is that even though it's busy and we both love it and hate it that like he's still keeping on keeping on and fighting the good fight getting us through every single week because we just have kid stuff I mean we were talking last weekend like we literally don't have a free day until we 
go to Florida in May. There is something every single day. And so it's just exhausting. And so when I get anxious or icky about it, he's really good about bringing me back to earth. <laughs> like, it's okay. We have vacation coming. We have vacation we have coming. Vacation. We have a beach. Yes, yes. Um, I will say my partner praise is that since Eric is just home for a week in between, he was gone last week and then he's gone all next month. This week is a little busy, um, just trying to get things done, but he did squeeze in like a honeydew project to put like a... I wanted like a post or something that we can put like a tether for our dog Gunner um, because I want, I prefer him to stay like closer to our backyard um, and he managed to like squeeze that in and get that like dug and cemented for me. So that will be a big yeah. When he's yeah, gone. that's great. Especially since Gunner tried to escape a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> There will be less adventures in his life. Yes. But better for me. He'll be okay. He will. He's got a good life. Felicia, what about you? Well, um, let's see. So I am not married. Um, So that is a little bit different (laughs) in terms of partner praise, but I would say that, you know, I, I do have a a, a person in my life and, um, he is, um, he is so unbelievably supportive. In fact, I, I texted him right before this and I'm like, you know, I'm feeling a little low, um, after this shopping expedition and, um, and I have this podcast thing and he's always like, he just thinks like everything I do is rad, which is a Aww. big shift and super nice. And, um, you know, he's like, that's so cool. And you're going to do so great. And I just really, I really needed that boost. I really needed that like reminder that like, yeah, you got this. You're, you're fine. You know? And so that was really helpful. Aww. That's awesome. That's I love it. I love having a hype man. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, it's pretty great. That's perfect. Yeah. I love that. I got. I just got a merch idea for a, sh- a shirt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So now, okay, let's dig in a little bit. And I think, again, kind of the conversations that you're having through your work with 10 Task and your relationship coaching is really, like, very crucial because I think that's where we all tend to get stuck, right, is – as women in these relationships, we go, like, how do we have this conversation? It's a sensitive subject for everybody involved, not just, like, on the mothering side of it. It's for yeah. fathers as well and partners in relationships. Like, it's – there's a lot to unpack. So how did you – how did you kind of come to tend task and the coaching in general? And like, what, what kind of like shifts have you seen in like your own perspective and the work that you're doing and kind of like how you take that and apply that to relationships? Yeah. So my, um, I, I, uh, 
studied sociology. I've always had an interest in social systems and social, you know, cultural impact on individual life, right? So how do how do the greater systems affect our relationships, our, um, you know, ability to be happy, functioning human beings? Um, and so that combined with my own experience with a with a deeply unequal relationship i had i i really struggled to communicate the impact of the mental load um with my husband um i i found it very difficult i, I just he he wasn't able to hear it and i wasn't able to communicate that um and and so you know like looking at the broader picture i started with um you know, when I started doing this work, um, I started by building an invisible labor tracker because I, I thought this was this was about five years ago. Um, at the time, we weren't having this conversation at the same level we are today. And so um, this idea of invisible labor, this idea of the mental load of all the things that we do, all the things we hold in our heads was um, not new. Certainly lots of people have been studying this for a long time, but it wasn't part of the kind of cultural zeitgeist in the way it is um, today, particularly since the pandemic. So that's where I started. And um, a lot of people were really interested in that. They really learned a lot about their own invisible labor and mental load. Um, and it did, it did start to elicit some, some valuable conversations, but it was still met with a lot of defensiveness. It was still really challenging to get um, men to engage in a meaningful way around this work. And I saw how that reflected my own experience in, in my individual relationship. Um, and so, you know, that kind of took me down the path of how do we start to, how do I add value? How do I help people in a more significant way beyond just giving them information? Um, and that led me to the concept of coaching. I was like, okay, well, how do people change behaviors? How do people make change? And um, that's a really tangible way. Coaching is, is you know, well-researched. It's highly effective. Um, it is really valuable tool. Um, it, you know, coaching is interesting because it's unregulated space. And so you don't really have to have a license to practice. And so I, I think it's important to have somebody who has either lots of experience or has, um, an education in coaching, because it really is a distinctive field that covers, you know, kind of, um, behavioral theories and adult learning and transformational theories and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, how, how do we, how do we put these two things together? And again, zooming out again, it's like, okay, yes. Talking about the mental load is, is super important having information about who's doing what, but it's also about effective communication. Right. So it's more of like, I, I've kind of landed in a space of like more holistic relationship health. How do we foster things like, um, you know, curious, open-minded, effective communication that's not defensive? How do we cultivate the concept of being a team? It's us against the world. It's not the tasks that rule our lives. Um, you know, how do we, how do we create a shared vision? That was another thing that was really missing in my own relationship. I thought we were aligned. He thought we were aligned. We were not aligned. And so, you know, giving, giving couples the tool to kind of get all those pieces into place so that the balance becomes more normal. It becomes second nature. It's of course, like 
we're here to just support each other. We're all in this together. Everybody knows everything that needs to be done and everybody takes responsibility for the success of the household. I love, I love what you said about the tasks and the teamwork and how I, it's, it's was very catchphrasy and now I'm having a hard time with it, but it was like, it's us against the world. It's not the tasks that are leading yeah. our decision-making, which I think is super important and just like a nice way to like kind of flip that lens. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that the coaching matching with the tasks, it feels very proactive versus reactive. And if we can prevent a problem, then that's way better than solving it or easier at least. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you are, you know, if you're putting good systems into place early in your relationship, then you're not going to have the kind of like bitterness and resentment that builds up and really destroys relationships. That's, that's ultimately what happened in my own. Um, and I was, I was really inspired to, save other people from my heartache. You know, how can I, how can I take this and learn from it and build something that can support other people? I think it's interesting too, that you mention, you know, like aligning your goals, because I think that's something that's really overlooked. And it's, it's, um, we had a guest just last week, Melissa Bloom, who talked about, this concept of like aligning yourself and your priorities and like then kind of centering everything else around that. And as Melissa would say, there are no coincidences. So then, you know, now that we are talking about it um, yet again, I think that's something super interesting that people, it like, it isn't talked about enough. I think we're so focused sometimes on being like, well, how do I just get my husband to like pick up 20 more things today? And so like, I'm going to rapid fire off and I'm going to make a to-do list or whatever and like hand it over. But then at the end of the day, like we're still both wildly unhappy about it. Like it doesn't actually solve and make lasting change and it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to hand over a list of 20 things every single day. And I Yeah, well you have to create the list too. Right, right. And that's a whole nother thing that you gotta do. <laughs> right, right. And and so to say like, okay, well where like what are our priorities? Like where are we headed together? And just overall like how do we want our life, like constructing the reality of our life and saying like, okay, we want to go in this direction. And and that means to us, like, here's how we want to feel on a regular basis. And here are things that like, we really want to prioritize. Like, you know, maybe it's spending time outside every single or as much as we can or every day or whatever it looks like. And then being able to say like, okay, Now, all the other stuff that has to happen to keep us as a functioning family, laundry and groceries and all the stuff and all the things and the practices, like now how do we fit those in to make sure that like we're all moving toward the direction of like this over here? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's like interweaving the motivation. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. If you can see how these seemingly mundane tasks contribute to the life that you want to cultivate together, then they become more meaningful and they become something that is harder to ignore in the face of, um, you know, the, the meaning of what you're creating together. And, um, you know, you, you, when it comes to vision, like I even sometimes, um, recommend to couples, like build a vision board of your life together. Like, what do you want that to look like? Um, you know, what there, there, and there's so many facets to it. What do we want our relationship and our connection to look like? What kind of parents do we want to be? What are our values? How do we prioritize it? What does money mean in, in our relationship and, and who's going to contribute that? And how are we going to value things that aren't monetary? There's, there's a lot of conversations to be had. And if you take away that defensiveness and that reactiveness, then these conversations become fun and interesting and exciting. And every time is an opportunity to learn something new about your partner, mm-hmm. right? And um, and and who they are as a person and what they value, and that's going to shift and change over time. Um, but you know, then when it comes to like, okay, well, you know, we do laundry because. We want to show up in the world feeling our best selves and we want our kids to have clean clothes and we want to have clean clothes and, um, and, and that's important. And maybe for us, cleanliness, um, doesn't mean maybe it just means pulling clean clothes out of the laundry basket. Maybe we take away that, like putting stuff away in the drawers, or maybe that's really like tidiness is really important to you. And there's a reason behind that. And you, talk about it with your partner and hear the reasons and you come to like a shared concept of care for your home. And it's based on your vision of what you want your life to look like. And it's collaborative. It's not just one person saying, this is how things are going to be. And this is how we're going to do it. And if you don't do it, you're a jerk. <laughs> that's not, that's not a great place to, to find, find that balance you're looking for, but it's hard because we get upset and we get frustrated and that's also reasonable. We have to leave space for that and leave space for each other to not be our best selves all the time. Right. I am curious like how you navigate the um, conversation between like, this is really important to me, but it is, it has like negative importance to me. Like I'll, I'll throw out an example. Like you said, tidy home. I am a tidy home person. Like I, it doesn't need to be spotless. I don't, it does not even need to be deep cleaned. Like none of that, but it has to be tidy because I work from home. So mess is distracting. And also Mm -hmm. just in general, like, I mean, it's distracting even after work hours, right? Like it's something that can easily pull me away from being engaged with my family. Yeah. And it also like makes me anxious. Like, so there, it's like mm-hmm. rooted in something. My husband is like on the opposite side of the spectrum. Like some days I'm like, I feel like you're a human tornado and like, it doesn't even, it's fine. It's digi- he's yeah. just like, no, I don't see it that way. Like I don't see the stuff in the mess the way that you do. And so I feel like that's always, you know, you try to kind of come together and let some stuff go, but I feel like it's always that sort of like tug and pull of like, you know, maybe I don't give as much on this particular thing, 
but then on something else that's really important to you, maybe I do give a lot. I don't know. How do you navigate that? Yeah, no, that's a great question and something a lot of couples struggle with. And so what I would say is the one, one there's a lot of research that shows that clutter can be really uh, anxiety inducing. And so that's a real effect. And, um, I'm the same way. I like, I like a tidy home. Um, I like things to be put away. And, um, I think what I would do if you and your husband were my clients is, is work together to, you know, find somewhere on the spectrum, like it's right. It's not either messy or dirty. It's like, okay, well, where are the areas that are most critical to me in the home to make sure that they are, um, in order because I need that for my, you know, mental space personally and professionally. And I would, I would lean into that idea of being a team that as your partner, he might not care about the mess, but he should care about how the mess makes you feel. Mm. And so, you know, just working together to find those things. And I guarantee there's a issue for him that is likewise, right? So there's always the opportunity to grow and learn and share. It's just really important that um, we get beyond the idea that because something isn't important to us, it isn't important. Mm -hmm. That's not a relationship. That's not how we are in relationship to each other. When we choose to partner with someone else, we care about things because they care about things Mm -hmm. to the extent that we're able. So finding, finding a balance for, you know, how you can best make that work and how you can become more um, supportive and caring of one another um, and your, and the needs that you have in the relationship. I think thinking of it from that, like supportive environment Mm -hmm. is such a change on the way that like we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that, um, that's something I struggle with, with this conversation around mental load is it's, um, it doesn't always have the nuance I would like to see, which is why this is so great that you're like talking about different aspects of it, you know, all the time, um, for very good reason, there is a lot of anger around this issue. I have it. I experience it. I support it. (laughs) And coming at it from a place of, of anger and, um, self-righteousness is really hard to get a shift to happen. Um, you know, men are raised in our patriarchal society, whether they like it or not. And we all have to address and undo our biases. Um, for a variety, in a variety of ways. Um, and I, I, I don't want to be an apologist, but I also want to give men some grace in this conversation and invite them in to it, um, in a way that allows them to space the space to work through their own feelings around this. We don't give men enough space to feel things, Um, and, but it's challenging and it takes time and it doesn't always, you know, we want instant results. I'm no different, but, 
Um, but in order to really start to move that needle, um, it, it really requires some effort on both people's parts and grace and understanding and patience. So what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned about the mental health, mental load personally after becoming a single parent? Um, that's such a great question. I, I think I learned just how impactful it is, like how much of a role it played in my unhappiness. Like, you know, for a long time, I was just like, oh, this is just really not, I don't know what, to, this is terrible. You know, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And um, really like digging into it as like a, a, a sociological phenomenon and, um, you know, like seeing the impact it has on, you know, women and people and couples and relationship health. Um, it really like, it gave me the space and the separation I needed to go, oh yeah, that was what you were going through was really real and really impactful and you're not alone. Um, so that was a big, a big shift for me. Um, and, and a big lesson and understanding that I took away, um, once I got divorced. So how do you feel like the mental load has changed as far as, cause you're still a parent mm-hmm. and a working mm-hmm. individual. Yeah. How has that mental load change shifted um become different versus when you were married to now being a single parent a divorcee or whatever you want to call it yeah I hate to say this but it is so much easier (laughs) like it is so much easier to manage on my own hey As you know, we don't have show sponsors, but we do have an amazing group of people, some we've known forever and some that are new friends who have been great supporters of us on this podcasting journey. Let me tell you about them. One of my favorite things about being married to my husband is actually all of his amazing cousins. Jen Zamzow is one of them, and she is one of the smartest women I've met. She's an adjunct professor of healthcare ethics at the Concordia University, Irvine, and a freelance writer for publications like Psychology Today and the Washington Post, writing about health, well-being, and you guessed it, motherhood. She has a newsletter on Substack that you can subscribe to via the link in the show notes called A Well-Lived Life. Check it out. You won't regret signing up. If you own your own business, you want to know about GeForce PR and Barbara. Knowing and clearly communicating who you are, what you stand for, and the value you bring will set you apart from others and help you connect with the audience you're truly meant to work with. Female-founded GeForce PR specializes in helping female founders like you know, show, and grow their worth by developing a customized personal brand framework and a creative, unique PR strategy that aligns with your goals and audience. You already have so much on your plate. Lean on a trusted guide to help you own and share your story. Learn more at GeForcePR.com. 
And of course, I can't not mention my friend, former guest and mindset coach, Melissa Bloom. If you're looking to reframe your thoughts and see the world through a new lens, Melissa is the perfect guide for your journey. It is not an understatement to say she does life-changing work. She's done it alongside me for the past year, and it's been one of the best investments I've made. Find her at melissabloom.life and all things Path to Joy. And now, back to the show. It is definitely, it does does not disappear, right? I still have three kids and I have a business and I have a life and I have a new partnership and I still co-parent with my ex-husband. And so there's lots of factors that, that still contribute to the mental load. I think, I think another like misnomer is that like men don't have a mental load at all. Right. Like men definitely do. And we don't really talk about like what is expected of them socially and culturally. Um, So I I like to add that to the conversation. I think that's, that's a a learning point, but in terms of my own shift, um, I, I just feel much more in control of what I put on the plate Mm. in terms of the mental load. So if there are, um, you know, there are things that come my way and they don't, align with the life that I want to create for myself and my values, then I don't do them. And I don't have to ask anybody's permission. And I don't have to um, explain myself to anybody. And that is a, that is a real um, benefit. On the flip side, there's a lot of mental load that goes with co-parenting mm-hmm. and making sure my par- my kids are okay and that they um, got through and continue to thrive after the divorce. You know, divorce is a is a tough thing for children to go through, um, and so that is um, that's you know probably the only thing that I don't feel like is completely outside of my ability to control. I shouldn't say that. Every you know, there's lots of things that aren't. I just don't. I don't hold them with the same weight that I once did. I think I'm much more, um, much more comfortable saying no to things and not being a version of myself that felt the need to prove myself to, to my ex-husband and to everyone around me that like I was worthy and my actions had meaning. Mm. I mean, that totally makes sense because you're partnering with yourself at that point, as far as the mental load is concerned. And so you are not going to have conflicting values because you are you and no one else. So that certainly makes sense. And I think what, I think what's interesting too, is that you said, um, kind of defending your, like yourself or your thoughts or your actions. And I think that is, something that we are as as women we're trained to do is to you know defend these thoughts or these actions or whatever all of the time and then like with that comes all of this emotional because I still care about how the people around me feel yeah but as soon as you said like kind of defending like what you were doing that it like immediately like popped into my head. My husband and I had a conversation recently and he was frustrated because I hadn't like run some like play date plans by him. And 
you know, we kind of, we had like opposing viewpoints on this. Like he felt like a very, um, like kind of an afterthought. Whereas I was like, oh, these only popped up because like our plans that morning, like it was freezing and raining and like everything got canceled and it was like two quick hours. And so, but then since then, I've been hyper aware of it. And then it's it has kind of added a dynamic to in my effort to like change a little bit and just be more cognizant of that and not maybe like recreating that situation. Now I find myself like thinking about and like explaining, like he got like five texts today about like, hey, I'm going to go do this after work. And like, there's this and this and here's why. And here's, and I'm sure he was like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't, I I, I don't need this. But in my head, I was like, well, now I, now I need to like explain it and make sure that you're cool with it. And like, you know, it's coming from a good place, but also I was like, here's like 15 more texts today that I need to send that like before I would have just been like, whatever, we're doing yeah. these quick things after <laughs> After school, yeah, and that, we'll be home at that, six o'clock for dinner. It's that delicate tightrope, I think, that we all walk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I know, like, you have these conversations, obviously, with partners as they are kind of looking to rebalance, but you're also shifting a little bit to have these conversations before parenting even comes into becomes a factor in the relationship and I'm curious like how you identified that that was a shift that was necessary and then how kind of like how you're starting to bring people into that conversation because I imagine myself as like a young um, like potential newlywed right like some of it almost seems like really, you know, like what you are supposed to go through in marriage counseling. Although I think that like widely varies based on like how you're deciding to get married. And I'm curious, like how, if the openness of it is different before you introduce parenting, or if you find that it's kind of similar, what is, what is that like for you? Yeah. So in terms of identifying, I think there's a couple factors. One, I, um, as I mentioned, like, it's really, really hard to engage men in this conversation. There's a lot of defensiveness about it. And when people are parents, they are already overloaded, right? Both, both partners typically in a heterosexual relationship are feeling, um, the strain of parenting, parenting, modern parenting is brutal. Um, and so getting people to have the mind space and the resources to devote to the, the work that needs to happen to this was, was challenging. It's not impossible. When I, when I am able to coach clients in that space, we definitely see a lot of improvement and we see a lot of shift. Um, but I, for, for, quite some time now, I've had this like kind of inkling that like, what if we could get in front of couples earlier in the relationship? And instead of doing crisis management, we were building systems, proper systems in the first place um, and really laying that foundation for a healthy relationship. 
Um, and so, you know, yes, it's different because when you're coaching newlyweds, mostly you're able to manage at that point, right? You don't see the vast impact of the mental load, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. And women know it. If you look at the cultural, um, you know, kind of shift even away from marriage, like marriage rates are falling for the first time in a long time. Divorce rates are falling, but that's because fewer people are getting married, not because people are happier. <laughs> um, and so, and, and less people are choosing to have children, which I fully support that as a choice. Um, but that is because they saw what their mothers went through. They saw, they see how hard it is. They see what happens to women in the workforce and, um, and they don't want that for themselves. So it's not that, you know, newlyweds are blissfully unaware of this terrible thing that's going to happen to them. They kind of know, and it's affecting, um, the way people are choosing to live their lives. So if I can reach young couples who, um, you know, maybe are in their first year of marriage and they, you know, they've gotten a little bit past the honeymoon stage and they're like, Oh, <laughs> like, this is, this is maybe different than I expected. Or maybe it's not as like sexy and fiery as it once was. And yeah, now we got to pay bills together. And, um, we have different ideas about what a clean kitchen looks like. Um, there's such a tremendous opportunity to really get it right early. Mm -hmm. And then when kids come into the picture, you're not knocked off your socks the way that you are. Most of us have been. Um, so, you know, it's, it's early in my shift. Um, and, um, I, I have done like in terms of like identifying, I've done a lot of, um, you know, kind of analytics and audience testing and market research, and I'm getting really, really positive results about the one thing that's so interesting is so like, if we're going to shift to like into marketing a little bit, um, you know, when you like test an idea, you can run like ads right on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And, um, and so when I, when I run ads in the parenting space, um, it is exclusively, I shouldn't say exclusively 99.9% .9 women who respond to those. Um, and the cost per lead is, is, you know, good, but it's not great. And then when I, when you get into that newlywed space, it's much more even in terms of men and women, like who are young men want to be equal partners. Mm -hmm. They want that. The research shows that they go into it and they're like, yeah, of course we believe in equality. Of course. And then they don't do it because they don't know how. Yeah. And then they become, they're 10 years in and we're like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Why can't you get this right? Well, nobody taught them how to yeah. do it. Yeah. And then everybody's yelling at them and they're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. So, um, that's where, that's where like kind of that grace of like, okay, men really do want this. They say they want it. They really do want it. We've got to teach them how to do it in a way that they can receive it. Absolutely. So my sister and her husband, um, are choosing to not have children. Um, and she has always, of course, like older generations are like, Oh, are you sure? Like, what if you regret it? Um, but Erica, my sister regularly says, if I could be a dad, this would be a different conversation, but the realistic right. version of us 
bringing children into the world is that I'm going to be a mom and I don't want to deal with that. She's like, I'll be a dad all day long, but I don't want to be a mom. And I was like, she's not wrong. She's so not wrong. And the first time she said that, I was like, just like, it was like God smack. I was like, absolutely. Like, of course. Yeah. I'm curious how her, how Josh responded to that. I, because uh, I, Josh totally agrees. Really? I, that yes. is so fascinating to me because I think, like, if I were to throw out, like, oh, yeah, if I were a dad, my day would be like a million times easier. I, feel like, you know, if my husband could like shoot laser eyes, he'd be like, who the fuck do you think you are? Right. Not because, you know, like, and again, yeah, right. respecting the fact that like he carries a load too. Like there is not, like I'm not just over here raising children by myself. Like even, right. even yeah. like in your instance where you're co-parenting, like I'm sure you're your ex has thoughts and opinions about your kids and their well-being For and like sure. how to get For it sure. done. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like it's something that as women, we're all like, mm, I mean, <laughs> I, well, it's know? interesting. I think there's, <laughs> I think it's different in theory when you're thinking about being a parent versus when you're actually a parent, you're like, wow, this is really hard. And you're telling me that like, it's not that hard. Like right. that, mm. that doesn't feel right. Um, but, but when you, when you look at the bigger picture, the expectations on dads are vastly different than the expectations on moms and nobody can deny that. Like that is just a fact that, um, what is expected of moms is harder and different than what is expected of dads. Now, how that plays out in individual relationships and individual parenting, um, you know, dynamics may not be true at all, right? Like right. there, that that could be the opposite. Like it could be that the dad does way more, um, and um, and holds a heavy mental load um, for a variety of, of reasons. But, it, you know, from a cultural perspective, there's no question that moms are judged harshly um, for um, everything that they do <laughs> in, in any capacity. Literally every breath we take. <laughs> Literally everything. If you, you know, if you do too much, you're a helicopter mom and you're terrible and you're controlling. And if you do, don't do enough, you're, you know, um, negligent and you're, you know, a slacker and how dare you look at your phone. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. the, the piles that are heaped. I, I, I love the Amy Westervelt's, um, quote, um, that, you know, women are expected to, um, work as if they don't have children and parent as if they don't work. Um, and that same thing is just simply not true for men. It's yeah. just not. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that double standard of, you know, for women where men don't, don't have that at all. Yeah. Uh, In an earlier episode, this topic came up um, and the example we were talking about was if a chat, so hairbrushing is a problem with my five-year-old. She hates Mm -hmm. her hairbrushed. It is what it is. And so when she leaves the house, 
with only half brushed hair, nobody is saying, oh my gosh, where's her dad? Why didn't her dad brush her hair this morning? It's always, where's the mom? Why didn't mom brush her hair this morning? Why, why does she have hole in her leggings? Doesn't her mom need to buy her more leggings? It's never assumed dad. So actually, since we've talked about that, I'm, I'm regularly trained, like when I do see those biases just in myself and I, I intentionally am changing the phrase to, okay, if I'm going to judge, then I need to judge parents (laughs) and not in a very lighthearted way, obviously. Yeah. That was my favorite when you rolled up at dance and you were like frantically the, the night Caroline, like was late (laughs) because she couldn't pick up her towel off the bathroom floor. And then like you rolled up and like her hair is like crazy. And you're like, Oh my God, where's her dad at? Like why didn't you brush this before she left? (laughs) As you're like throwing it into a ponytail and you're like, get the fuck in there. Like get in there. But, you know, you see these stories of, like, the dads who, like, learn how to braid their daughter's hair and it's, like, throwing them a fucking parade. Right. Which is, like, it's lovely. I don't want to diminish. Like, I I think, like, dads connecting with their daughters over, you know, the hair care is super meaningful. Like, moms aren't getting a parade for braiding their daughter's hair. (laughs) That is just... It's just not happening. Right. When it was probably requested of us when we're already two minutes late to get out the door for school in the morning. And then somebody was like, I yeah. can't leave unless I have a French braid and all these oh barrettes in my hair. No, the rule in our house is if you don't mention it the night before, it's not getting done the following day. Because my girls do oh. love when I like curl their hair or braid. And I, I would say that I'm a very good braider. And so like, I can mm, like lots of good skill hairstyles, but I, I like, I got to the point where they weren't leaving me any time to do that in the morning. Cause that takes 10 minutes longer than brushing their hair and throwing it in a low pony. And so now yeah. the rule is if you don't mention it to mom the night before, it's not getting done in the morning because dad can't curl and dad can't braid. And so I am the only option. And if you don't mention it the night before, then you're out of luck. <laughs> Sorry about it. Smart. See, we have, Nora Smart. doesn't need me to do her hair very often. So <laughs> that's. Yeah. I always want to braid Nora's hair when I see Nora. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so Willa pretty. comes home. My youngest comes home from the toddler room with her hair in a different hairstyle than I sent her literally every single day, regardless of how much effort I put into it. So at this point now, and I think it's just because she's starting to get like the same long locks that like my middle daughter has. And I'm like, I think your teachers just like to play with your hair because it's really nice. So I'm not not (laughs) going to take this personally, even though some days I've sent her this really like cute hairstyle. And I'm like, oh, that's, (laughs) I mean, I spent like five minutes doing your little like baby hair, but that's okay. Aww. It's cute. And she, I think she loves it. So, right. Um, okay. So if there's to kind of like round this out, where do you feel like the conversation? So if you're kind of stuck spinning your wheels and you don't know where to start, like, how do you, how do you start the conversation in a way that invites your partner into it and like what is the first like 
what do you say? How do you even, what do you say yeah. to get it started? I think if you're really struggling with um, this, an imbalance in a relationship, the place to start is a conversation around your shared vision of what the life you want mm. to have looks like. And that's not an easy, quick fix answer, but it is, it is the thing you can turn to when you're struggling and you're saying, you know, does do 7am soccer practices align with the life we want to live? Yeah. Okay. Organized sports is really important to us. It aligns with our values. We really want our kids to have those experiences, then let's all fucking buck up and we're going to take our turns doing snacks and we're going to, you know, take our turns being team parent and we're going to take our turns going to, to, to practices. So really just getting clear, like going, going back to basics and be like, Hey, you know, here we are, this is where we are snapshot in time. Where do we envision ourselves in five years? What do we want that to look like? What do we, you know, how do we envision ourselves in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? What are our core values? Which of those values align with each other? Because we're not always going to have all the same values. And um, that's that's where I would recommend, um, you know, couples start, especially couples who already have children and they're already in the thick of it and are feeling a little bit discombobulated by the challenges of parenting and living in our really <laughs> fucked up capitalist <laughs> gnarly world that we live in where something bad is always going wrong, you know, yeah. like let's get clear about us and our vision and our team and what we can do and what we have control over. And then when we come across those sticky, challenging things, we know why, um, why we're doing them and they have more meaning. That conversation genuinely excites me. It feels like, so, I mean, right. It's different than clean the fucking toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Before I beat you with this toilet brush. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. It just, I mean, it has just such like a positive energy around it. Mm -hmm. And I think about like before my husband and I had kids, one of our favorite things to do even before we moved into our first house was to go to like open houses on Saturdays and just like walk through all these homes that were like, Oh my gosh, someday, someday. And you know, to just be like, this is awesome. And like pick out our favorite things and be like, what if we did this and this and this and that, you know? Um, and then we had kids and like the reality of like (laughs) creating a household, you know, comes crashing in and you're like, Oh, those are, yeah. That's for model homes. That's not for our right. homes. <laughs> this is not, yeah. <laughs> we are not a model home, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it kind of like brings me back to that feeling where like it was fun because we were like dreaming about this vision and it wasn't anything that was like, it, you know, oh, we're going to check off these 20 things and then we're going to be there and on to the next thing. It was just like this fun like daydream of what it could be. And it was like so motivating to be like, oh, okay. Well, now I see maybe why we're going to like throw a little extra money in the savings thing. Cause we want to get to the point where we can do some of these things and they're fun. That's right. And so, yeah, yeah I, I love that. I even, 
I, I think I'm going to like try this in a mini experiment as well. We're getting ready for, we're also planning our summer vacation. And I was talking with my, we're going with another family in our neighborhood and I was talking to my mom friend about it. And I said, we need to come up with like beach house rules. Right. And it's like the vibe we want. And we're all going to be like on the same page about that vibe for that vacation. And like the second you, you know, you like are at (laughs) odds with the vibe, we're going to send you to the vibe check corner and be like, you're, you're harsh. Think about your vibe. You got like, (laughs) fix your vibe. vibe. And then you're allowed back in the beach house. But I mean, like, even as I think about that, I go, oh my gosh, that's such a different way of like thinking about our vacation in terms of like, well, what do we, like, how do we want it to feel? Like, what are we going to prioritize? And then everything else can just sort of like fall in under that. And the stuff that doesn't align, just it just doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Coming from a nonprofit leadership, as a nonprofit leadership professional, like I'm like, all of these ideas are like ruminating with like, let's do like, a three, five, 10 strategic plan and like make that work for like our lives and our, our, mm-hmm. like what we want. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, the other idea was like writing down like our things, all the things in like a SWOT analysis form and figure out yeah. like which ones are bringing us joy and aligning with our mission, but are like super, super hard to accomplish and just those types of things. And so I was just like, I'm like, Canva, here I come. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. And when the, I, I mean, love it. I, I love how inspired you're both getting. Like I, I love like the, the energy that you're both imagining in your own ways of how this could potentially go in your own partnerships. That's so fun to watch. I love that. It's so, it is radically different when you think about it yeah. from that perspective than here are 20 things that annoy the shit out of me that you don't do on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we should circle back in a year we and should. where we're all at. You're still going to have those days, right? You're totally. still going right. to have days where you're like, oh my God. Right. How many times do I have to ask you how to do to do this? But if it comes down to, you know, the vision, you can say you can phrase it a little bit differently where you're, mm-hmm. you know, where you come back and, and say, OK, we've we decided on this together and I don't see you participating in a way that supports the goal that we set together. That's very different than here's a list of 20 things to do. And if you don't do them, then I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> it's, it's just a different way of approaching it. Um, and it's good. It takes time to shift our behavior, but we're all capable of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I am so excited to do this. Like I'm going to prep Eric. I have to hear. Yes. You'll have to update me yes. on how it goes. Yes. When he gets back in June, I'm going to be like, here we go. Here we this go, is babe. what we're doing. It's gonna be so excited. Welcome home. <laughs> it's gonna be like my God. You start sending him Google meeting invites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, "Oh my God, that's it's not the worst idea <laughs> to, to to carve it out oh, on I the know. calendar for sure." You know. Oh my gosh. I well, live in thank you for this conversation, yeah. for this idea. I am genuinely excited. I feel like listeners are going to be able to get on board with this and be excited. 
If you are doing it, drop a comment in the comment section. Let us know how the conversation goes. I'm sure we would all love to be able to hear it. Felicia, where can listeners connect with you if they want to know more about the work you do or get in contact with you? Yeah. So um, listeners can find me everywhere at 10 task. Um, I'm at 10 task.com. That's T E N D T A S K. I'm on Instagram and um, TikTok and all the places at 10 task. Um, and I'd love to hear how things work out and you know, what works for you. Yes. Thank you so much. This is a really great conversation. I appreciate your time. Yeah. This is so fun. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Of course. All right. See you later. Bye.